Good morning. How are y'all doing? A little different, huh? You don't get one of us, you get four of us on a one Sunday morning. Isn't that great? Yes, absolutely. And we didn't even take four offerings. That's, that's amazing, right? Yes. We are glad that you're here. We wanted to bring something very different to you this morning as we are continuing through our study in the book of John. And today we're in John chapter 6. Have your Bibles, turn there, your devices that you can log on and get there uh, to follow along with us. And so we have covered the first part of John chapter 6. So today we start in John chapter 6 and verse 22. But we wanted to bring this to you today in a little different form because, well, we have been having these meetings for some time now, the four of us, and we get together at Starbucks and we, we sit and we really just discuss Scripture together. And so what we decided to do is that we would love to have you sit at our table with us and to have a discussion with you today. And that doesn't mean that you can raise your hand and ask questions anytime you want. That's not what this is about, right? And, and so because if that's what it was, then you should have packed a lunch because we'd be here for a very long time. But we just wanted to share our hearts and our thoughts on this subject as we talk about Jesus being the bread of life today. And then after that, we go to the Eucharist, we go to the Lord's table, and we share in communion together for a few moments. But what we wanted to do this morning, a couple of things. One is this, is that one, that we wanted to contextually look at the text and talk to you about that of Christ being that of the bread of life. And secondly, by modeling what a gospel-centered conversation looks like, we want to encourage you to have these conversations with your friends, with your families, with people that you meet for coffee, with someone where you work, to simply sit down and say, this is what a gospel conversation looks like. And you just share what Christ has done in your heart and what the scriptures are saying to you. And so we wanted to model that today as being your, your preaching team. So when we look at John chapter 6, I think it's always good to look at who Jesus writes to. And first of all, we understand that he's writing to, well, his disciples. Last week, we talked about the miracle of Jesus taking the five barley loaves and the two fish, and he turns them into a Hebrew buffet for that of over 5,000 people. And so what we realize in who, John, who, who Jesus is writing or speaking to and John is writing to in chapter 6, he's still speaking to the same disciples. He's still speaking to Philip, who said to the Lord after Jesus said to him, where can we buy bread? And Philip says, hey, Lord, but we don't have enough money because you have to realize that's over 200 days wages to go buy bread for everyone. So we talked about that of the where when Jesus speaks to us and the how and how we work between that and God grows us in in the middle of that. We're also realizing that he's talking to the very same crowd that Jesus fed from that of the little boy's lunch of fish and bread. The same group that following Jesus around, not because they necessarily desire to hear the words of Christ, but yet that they want to see the miracles of Jesus because they really don't want to get personal with him. Because that changes everything, right? When we get personal with God and we allow our, we open our hearts as the word exposes our hearts, we open our hearts to him, that things get absolutely personal with God. And so here's what happens. When we, when we hear the gospel, what we realize is this, as we're going to see in just a moment, that things have to change in our life, that we can't stay the same, that we're either going to continue on the road that we're currently walking, or we're going to open our hearts and our minds to Christ and allow God to begin to transform our lives. So sort of let me set this chapter up with you because there's a lot of verses, and we're not going to read all those verses to you this morning, so you can go home later on and read them for yourself. But let me set this up for you for a moment. Jesus has fed the 5,000 with the loaves and the fish. 
And he has made him made he has made his way to Capernaum. Capernaum is on the other side of the sea. Well, here's the cool thing about Jesus. Jesus doesn't need a boat, right? Is that he, he doesn't need a boat. This is where he fall he comes to the disciples in the middle of the storm and, and he simply speaks peace to them and they take him and immediately the scripture says they're at the shore. So not only does he not need a boat, but he has the very fastest boat on the lake, is what he does. Yes. And and so he takes them there. This is powerful miracle. Well, the people look around, they're wondering where Jesus is. They're wanting more of that Hebrew buffet that he provides for them. And so they find a boat and they go to the other shore and they follow him. Again, not that they're longing for the words of Christ in their life, but they're longing for simply to fill their bellies is what they're doing. But they're seeking him. And there's something very powerful, important that we're going to talk about. At least they are seeking him. They're moving closer to him. They ask him questions like this. Lord, how do we do the works of God? How do we do these things? And, and so, it, again, it's about their effort, not God's. And God says, well, then you just simply believe. That's their struggle. They struggle in believing who Christ is. They love the things that he does, but they struggle with believing in who he is. And so what we find in this text this morning is one of the seven great I am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. Because what we're going to discuss this morning is a statement where he makes it, I am the bread of life. And it's such a powerful statement for you and I, because it's the very same thing that he told the Samaritan woman at the well in Samaria on that noonday at the hottest part of the day. It's the very same thing that he addresses to her about giving her water where she never thirsts again, that he talks to us about having bread that will never hunger again, that he is the bread of life. So how do they respond? Can I tell you how they respond? They respond like we respond. And how they respond? They, they grumble. They grumble and they complain is what they do. All right? And so, so to, to make this a, a kind of a level ground as we always do, let's just take a little survey. How many of you, how many of you this, this week at some point you have grumbled or complained about something in your life? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Okay, everybody at the table is raising. Oh, Travis has two hands. He's either worshiping or he's done it twice or more, right? Yes. So we grumble at times, right? Absolutely. Their response to Jesus revealing who he is is they begin to grumble. It's, it, it's such a human connection for you and I in that the way God writes the scriptures and he, he, he speaks to John to write the scriptures for you and I. And if it, if it were not offensive enough that Jesus says that I'm the bread of life has come down for heaven, then this is the text where we find this powerful statement where he says this, that if you don't eat of my flesh and if you don't drink of my blood, then you really have no part in me. And you say, Mark, that sounds like Christian cannibalism. Yeah, I know it sounds like that, right? But what it does, it moves us from this point of just living for Christ but it moves us to this place of living in Christ and Christ living through our lives. It's a transition. It's more than just a behavioral modification, but it's a transition for our lives. And so that's this text this morning, starting at verse 22, kind of in a nutshell, that we're going to have a discussion about, and we want to simply give you a seat at the table this morning. But but this here's where it starts. It starts with this of seeking him. That's where our journey always begins, is that of just by seeking him. That's, and, and John doesn't give us a choice about where we start. No, he simply says, this is where it begins. 
And what I want to say before we start in talking this morning and give them an opportunity to talk is this, that I love this because what John does in this chapter as we start in verse 23, he says again to us the same thing that he said about Jesus when he fed the 5,000. He says again, Jesus gives thanks. And what it does, it brings us to this understanding why why Jesus is here and what, he's, what John is writing about. And then he's revealing the heart of the Father. He's revealing the gracious heart of the Father. Yet I think sometimes in our lives that we can miss those moments. We can miss how God reveals himself to us in everyday life, in the common graces that we experience through life, that we can miss those important points. And I believe that that's exactly what this crowd has done. But yet, even when we miss it, here's the beautiful thing about grace, that even when we miss it, God is present. That's right. God is present. Yeah. Yeah. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. The look should have told us. <laughs> the look. He was giving us the look. I was giving you the look. Yes, and you weren't responding to the look. Yes, that's exactly right. Yes. Yes. So, so I think that, that when we come to God as these people have come to God with a closed heart, then how does God respond to us even when we come to him with the wrong motives in our own heart? And a closed it's always heart. grace. It's always grace. Yeah. Yeah. It's always it's always love, right? Yeah. No matter no matter where we're at, it starts off with with grace and his love. He's always inviting us more, right? Yeah, and you see that throughout this chapter in that he he doesn't just hit it and move on to the next thing. You know, there's a lot of verses here for a reason because he continually works the conversation. He doesn't just say it one time and move on, mm-hmm. but that's the grace that you know, as you work through this chapter, and once we get to the end, there's that big crescendo moment <clears throat> that you just referred to that he that he really hits them hard with. But it's the grace along the way to that moment that mm-hmm. says, "I'm longing for you to get this. Mm-hmm. I know you're not getting it. I know you're missing it because you got your own agenda." Mm-hmm. But he doesn't leave them there. He continually pushes and pokes and prods because, like you said, I mean, he's interested in us seeing the heart of the Father. He does not want that to be missed, and so it's always pointing back to that and always poking and prodding. Yeah. You know, these are the same people. These are the same people that have called him rabbi. Mm-hmm. These are the very same people that have said to him after he fed the 5,000 that, you know, we're gonna, he knew that they were going to take him by force and make him their king is what it says. Yeah. But yet what we find in their hearts is that none of them actually treat him as if he is king or rabbi or listen to him as he is king or rabbi or accept him as he is either. And, and that's the brokenness of our life. And, right. and that's the way that we live and that's the way that we approach Christ at times. Yeah. I think John, I was reading this morning actually and John Piper wrote, they didn't see Jesus as precious. They saw his gifts as precious. That, uh, it's actually kind of, and as I was thinking, I kind of wrote down, this kind of reminds me of uh, something we call the prosperity gospel of using Jesus to get the things that we want. Um, and a lot of times using Jesus to get the things that we wanted before we knew who Jesus was in our life. We were saved or born again or whatever the word that you want to use for. It. And here that's exactly what they want. They want um, the things that Jesus does because there's a lot of security in knowing that you have a king that can provide food for you whenever you want it or walk across water whenever you want it, or have all this power. Like, that's a great king to have, right? And so that's what they want, his gifts and his talents. They're not necessarily wanting Jesus. And so you're right, their motives are wrong. But then Matthew 
Jesus always responds with grace whenever we, whenever we come to him with the wrong motives. And I think we do come to yeah. him with the wrong motives yeah. a lot. Yeah. Even when we get saved, we still come to him with the wrong motives a lot of times, yeah. asking him for things. And but it, so even when I say grace and, and love, he's, it's not saying that he's not speaking truth and hard truths, right? right? Yes. He's still, he's right. A, it's, it's real love where there's truth there that, uh, that challenges them right where they're at, right? You know, yeah. he, he's, he's, Jesus comes with, 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 with truth and love. And so I think that, you know, that's something that we can um, continue to glean from and to, um, you know, as we, we think upon Jesus, we, as we are as followers of Christ, yeah. you know, how are we speaking truth and love to people right. around us? And, and what's beautiful about it is what we see the people doing here. If you read the narrative and look at all the action that this crowd took, like they worked so hard. They investigated. They searched. Where is he? What's going on? And, you know, they, they, they took action. They, they didn't just stay put. They, they chased after him, seeking him, as you said. Uh, they, they took notice to the details. They observed. They put so much effort into it. Mm. And, again, in our culture, we, we can be the same way, almost formulatically uh, approaching Christ. Like, okay, I'm going to do all these things so that I can experience the blessing of Christ in my life, right? I'm going to have my quiet time in the morning. I'm going to, you know, serve around the house. I'm going to be part of a ministry. I'm going to volunteer with right. kids, right? Or I'm going to do all this stuff, and then I'll, I'll get Jesus. And Jesus, I think, is driving them towards it's not about all of this external stuff. It's, yeah. That's the truth that comes in. And it would be very easy even for, for preachers, and we see it today in our culture, to tap into that mentality, Right. Of a yes. crowd that's excited and is yeah. coming. It's like, okay, so how do we maintain that? Yeah. Jesus' way of maintaining it is, I'm going to make it as difficult as possible for you, which is what he gets into right. in the yeah. text. Completely, just constantly counterculture, because he wasn't interested in, okay, a large crowd, how do I keep them excited and attracted? He was interested in life change and something that was going to stand the trials right. because yeah. he knew they were coming. And so I, I love that the, the John here is intentional in telling us what the crowd is doing because there was a lot of effort put in. And I think sometimes we can get into that, that mindset of, I got to work really hard to get Jesus, mm-hmm. which takes away from everything that we've been right. studying in John. Yes, that's right. In verse 26, he says this to us. He says, truly, truly, so it doesn't make this optional. And, and what John is, is writing to us is this is absolutely important that we can't bypass that, so we can't go around this. I say that, that you're seeking me. He, we, he establishes that, yeah. that they are seeking him. But then he says, but here's your heart, is what he says. And he says that to all of us, I think. He says, not because you saw signs, but yeah. because that you ate and, and you were filled you ate your fill of loaves, is what he says. And he, and he doesn't chastise them for their, their physical hunger. Right. Right. But what he does is this, though, but he does address their, their lack of attention to spiritual hunger, mm-hmm. is what, what, he, what he is addressing. And, and I think that, you know, this, this question, this huge idea, is it possible? And I think for all of us in this room that we've all been here, is it possible to discover Christ even when the motives of our hearts are not right? Right. That, that when yeah. we come here and we're not really seeking Jesus on a Sunday morning, or but but we're seeking the fix, we're seeking something else, mm-hmm. and we realize that He's the actual fix for our life, then right. is it possible to discover Christ even when the motives of our hearts are not right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we are um, we're constantly, He's constantly drawing, tugging at our hearts, right? Mm-hmm. He's no matter where we are, no matter what position we He finds us in. He's constantly tugging at our hearts. 
Um, and so um, he, even when our, our motives are wrong, even when we come with, um, uh, you know, just wanted to get uh, fed physically, want to kind of meet the, the temporal, um, physical needs that they see right. around, um, Jesus says, yeah, like I can meet that. I love you, and I'm going to still meet you. Like, he still fed the hungry. But he says, I'm calling you deeper. There's a quote from Robert Crosby, my um, uh, old professor. He said, no, he wants us to tap a a deeper hunger, the hunger in our hearts. This requires two things from us, open eyes and open souls, open to seeing and sensing God and the gifts of God at a deeper level. level." And so, yeah, we can come with impure motives, um, and he's going to tell God this, and and he can meet us right there. The reality is it's got, it's got to draw us closer to him, right? It's, yeah. If our motives still remain where we just want something um, to meet our temporal need right. rather than him, rather than gift behind right. the giver, yeah. um, then we're going to miss it. Yeah, yeah and, and, but absolutely our motives can be wrong and he'll still get us. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. It's the father that draws us. Yeah. Like, if we show up thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to chase you down, Jesus, wrong. <laughs> right. Jesus already got you, right? So this mindset of, you know, what's my motive this morning, it frees us up then as the body of Christ to say, I'm just, I just want to be surrendered and live out the truth. It's not up to me to convince you because he, he's going to draw you regardless of why you came today. Um, that's why it never offends me anytime I preach here uh, and someone gets up and walks out. And what's beautiful is I get to see the huff and puff sometimes uh, on Facebook. It's like, oh, I can't, because I know what I say sometimes can be brash. I don't say it to be brash, but I try and speak truth. But I have so, I, I, that doesn't offend me in the least bit. It really doesn't, because my mindset, it's not up to me. The gospel is naturally offensive, and he gets yeah. into that later. But it's just this, and, and most times our motives are wrong. I mean, look at, look at verse uh, 29 here. Jesus answered them. And he says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Right. Straightforward, you know, no, no mystery there. Then verse 30, so they said to him, then what sign do you do that we might see? I'm like, I wrote in, in my column here, like, what? Hello? <laughs> like bread, uh, I don't know, walking on water, calming storms, water curing, wine. right, uh, water to wine, curing, you know, the, the sick and the lame. Like, what Like, how do you still miss it? Why? Because you're not coming with the wrong motive that's us yeah. though it's easy for me to look at that and say like what you know how many times jesus looks at me on a daily basis and is like hello yeah. <laughs> like have you not seen what i've done in your life yeah. and yet you still fail to just chase me for who i am but that speaks to that temporary fix too that we need because miracles i i mean i'm sure all of us can probably think of a time where god if you would just speak to me in this moment just yes. actually boom your voice down at me yeah. over a loud speaker <laughs> and then i'll be absolutely right. fine right here right. jesus is saying or proving to us that that's actually not the case because it's just going to be a temporary fix that um, yeah. I think if we don't understand who Jesus really is in our life, we're always going to be searching for those temporary fixes mm-hmm. in our life, and we're not going to understand that he is an eternal satisfaction right. to something that we have, a spiritual need that we have. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's not the fix. He is no. life. Right. He is. right. right. And that's, that's the difference. And that's his right. whole point in this, right. I think, is him trying to say, I'm not a solution. <laughs> Right. I am. Yeah. I am everything. Yeah. I am life. I am the bread of life. Yes. And and it's easy to I think it's it's easy to be in the middle of all of this and to as these people were, they had seen all the miracles, they had they had experienced all of the things. Uh even even when they found him on the seashore on the other side in Capernaum, 
And their first question was to Jesus was, uh, when did you get here? Not how did you get here? You know, when did you get here? My question would have been, how? How did you do this? How did you pull that off? Do you know where all the rocks are in the lake so you can run across yeah. the lake? Yeah. Or those kinds of things. How, how, did you, how did you make it here? No, their, their, their question was, when did you get here? Because we want more of that same stuff that you were doing yeah. before yeah. on the other side Give of the lake. Buffet. Yeah, and we want yeah, the Hebrew yeah, buffet. Yeah. We want the Hebrew Happy Meal. And so we want that, you know. And and, and quite that, honestly, so would we. Yes. I mean, um, it's easy to sit up here and judge this crowd, right? Yeah. But put yourself in their shoes. I mean, yeah. if we're walking around, like, just laboring from sunup to sundown in, an, in a country that is ours but is occupied by the Roman Empire and we are getting abused and taken advantage of, and here's a guy that shows up and says, hey, you don't have to work for food anymore. And not, you don't have to go to the doctor. Yeah, like I can, I can make True. everything happen. I can even True. take care of your parties. True. Right. Right. <laughs> take care of your. Like I'm going to be there. <laughs> you run like, out of wine. I got more. Primo wine. <laughs> not the box stuff. And the it's jar the best stuff, wine. Right? It's, so, yeah, it's not like, the box stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with them. I mean, I, I don't want to come across like, hey, I got to figure it out. And these guys don't. I my need to grasp this is just as great yeah. as this crowd's. We all start at that point, right? We everybody starts at that point. Nobody yeah. starts yeah. off in the inner circle. Right, we're all right. on that in that crowd. Right. Every single one of us, right? right? Um, and he calls us closer. Right. Make it, make it practical. So, uh, if Jesus was here and Jesus could fix my my car from never breaking down, he'd keep my kids in line, so they're not always causing me problems. Jack, I'm <laughs> preaching to you. Uh, he can keep my wife and I from ever having a disagreement, which never happens. Yes, right. Like right. Cassie he can keep my dog played. from getting up on the couch. Like if Jesus can yeah. do all that stuff for me. That's the stuff I'm about in life. That's why I live life, right? So he wants us to get out. It's like, I got to get you out of that mindset. There's more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So sometimes in life, I think we, we do settle for the temporary fix. Yeah. We, we do. And, and we, we say, okay, the bread is enough. The, the, the lunch you know, with 5,000 of my closest friends, and, and that's enough. But, but don't make this about my heart. Right. Because that's what makes this absolutely personal with our lives. Mm-hmm. Nathan, that's your yeah, cue. Yeah, I know. I know that was my cue. I was... The same even scripted. You just got to know when to speak, We brother. said we wanted to make it organic. You can so say me anything. not saying something right away is organic, okay? That's I have true. to think. I'm not just going to start that's talking. That's his cue. That's and then he just looks at me like, huh? Well, I needed Line. additional eye contact. Oh, okay. okay. No. Well, so what would, he's trying to get me to I do will hit you with is go into mixer. this next section that yes. we were talking about, which is in verses 35 through 40. Um, and here we see what Jesus... Oh, I'm never going to hear the end of that. It's sad. All right, whatever. Um, so what we see, though, is this continued connection between the physical and the spiritual. We talked about this in all of our conversations prior to this. We were always just seeing this connection between the physical and the spiritual. And in verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That we see here this physical and spiritual connection that Jesus is making. And what he's saying is that there are things in this life that are going to make you feel like you're full. Right. Like that yes. You feel like you're being filled up, but in reality... And I used this gross term before, but you're going to digest it eventually, right? And it's going to exit you in, in a certain way or, or in reality, like if you're eating. Yeah, I know. I can't say I always say one word, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not no, say it. Say it um, but or to illustrate it, um, I heard someone illustrate it this way was that um, if you have containers of food, for instance, and you're reaching into that container of food, eventually that container is going to run out. 
And what Jesus is saying here is that we have physical needs like eating, sleeping, drinking, companionship even. And then we also have spiritual needs like peace, love, rest, joy, all these things. And he says a lot of times, and I think this is true for myself, a lot of times that um, we try to satisfy our spiritual needs with physical things. Mm. Yeah. That a lot of times we'll take these physical things. That's good. Um, like, and, and, we'll, and it can be called addiction. Uh, I wrote down addiction, our jobs, our success in life, how good our family looks on the outside, all of these things. Um, and even things that may seem like they're good things, if we put any of them in that slot as if they're going to fill our spiritual needs, Jesus says that's, that's where we, we go down the wrong road. But yeah. then what Jesus says is that I, I am the bread of life. That means that I am that spiritual need. I am the, I'm the filler of that spiritual need for you that I never run out, that you can keep pulling into that jar, and it's going to be an endless thing of popcorn. Um, or I don't know whatever food you want to use. Pringles? I had popcorn last night, so that's probably why. Or Pringles. Maybe Pringles. I don't know. But that Pringles. he will never run out, and that he is that eternal satisfaction to our spiritual needs. Um, but for me, as I was working through this, um, I started to think of a question that out of all of that, and even if we know that, like us four up here and every, a lot of people probably out there know that Jesus is an eternal satisfaction to our spiritual needs, yeah. why do we still go back to those temporary fixes in our life? Right. Right. I think that's a big question because yeah, for me, that's something I get frustrated with myself all the time is that I'll yeah. see myself, shoot, I was putting that ahead of Jesus. Or shoot, I was, I was putting this in the slot where Jesus should be. Or I put, I put yeah. Cassie ahead of Jesus. Or I put my family ahead of Jesus. Or I right. put my work here as ahead of Jesus. And I start to think to myself, why am I doing this if I know that Jesus is my eternal satisfaction? Yeah. Like, that's wh- why? That's a, just why? <laughs> well, I, I would say it comes back to <clears throat> spiritual warfare. I mean, hmm. uh, the series we did <clears throat> over the summer, even with the, the armor of God and everything, that it's easy to settle into that rhythm uh-huh. and then get numb. And, and it's, it rarely is it a major shift for uh-huh. us. Uh, it, it's a gradual pulling away. It's a gradual becoming numb a little bit spiritually and just kind of resting on past experiences and victories and everything else. And, and before you know it, you're, you know, you're gradually taking one step off that path and then ultimately over time, uh, you're way down the path. Uh, and that's not a, a total answer to your question, uh, but it's something we wrestle with yeah. for sure. And I love how you phrase that. That was rich. Jesus is our eternal yeah. satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. Man, that, that was, if you take nothing else away, you should take that away. That's, yeah. I would yeah. write that down. That is Even with, with what you're saying, like there's the three aspects. It's, it's not just Satan, the enemy of our soul, but it's also our own flesh, right? Yeah, our own yeah. carnal desires, Right, that are bent inward towards ourselves and away from God, right, that we're all born with, every single one of us. I don't care who you are, you are born with a sinful nature that's bent inwards and wants to go away from God and the things that He wants to offer. And then you also have the world, right? We have just the world that we live in, the, 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 the systems that we live in, the, you know, the, um, you know, Social media, just the fast pace of culture, you know, culture. So we have those three things that are constantly competing for um, the, you know, to to meet that need, right? To meet those, those, the appetites inside of us. But, um, but I think it also goes back to realizing that Jesus is a personal God. Like he's, he, He's not oblivious, right? Yeah. Um, Mm. I love in Matthew 6, 33, where he, he calls that same crowd. He says, you know, hey, look, I know you need food. I know you need clothes. I, I know you need the necessities. Like, I'm not a believer. I'm God, right? I know you yeah, need those things. Right, right. But yeah. what does he say? 
He says, seek first, first my kingdom yeah. and my righteousness. Mm, yeah. And all the other stuff, I'll take care of that. But seek me first. He wants yeah. to be supreme. Put me first. Yeah. yeah. Let me uh, <clears throat> let me step on a toe here real quick, or uh-oh, a couple toes. Because um, <clears throat> what you said, no, not my toes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what you said was good, but I want to expand on it just a little bit. Because I think we can all readily and quickly agree and say, oh, yes, all these, you know, external things we can lean on for life, even good things, you know, marriage, yeah. kids, uh, satisfaction in our job. You know, there's some really uh, great things God's allowed us to have in life. But I want to take it a step further. I think it's not just those things we can lean on. I think it's spiritual things as well that we can go to for life, that we can draw from, you know, our favorite worship mix on Spotify, uh, <clears throat> our, our group of brothers and sisters we might belong to, um, maybe a, a favorite devotional you like to read or a favorite author. Uh, there's, there's a lot of spiritual things, spiritual disciplines. There's a lot of great things out there. But those things in and of themselves, I mean, the Pharisees had a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and we're empty. Mm-hmm. Right? So we've got to understand it doesn't matter if it's physical or spiritual. Anything that is not Jesus Christ himself yeah. is not going to sustain you yeah. and satisfy you. Yeah, it right. will not. Yeah. Ultimately, that group is going to break down and hurt your heart. Yeah. Right. Ultimately, that song is going to get so old, the, the lyrics mean nothing to you anymore, and it's just a catchy tune in your head. I mean, and, and I don't say that. Well, I guess I do say that to offend you. Because the reality is it's got to be the supremacy right. of Christ. Right. Like yeah. you just said, Matthew, yeah. seek him first will he use all these other things absolutely can we worship christ through absolutely but if it's not jesus christ in him plus nothing minus nothing we've missed it yeah right well and even like that you you lifted up this and this is also a little bit controversial but think about it though these are words on the these are words on the page right this is holy scripture yes but this still isn't even jesus right this points to jesus jesus is not just words on a page. You know, even the Pharisees, when Jesus, you know, healed the lame man in the pool, he, he told them, he's like, look, it's like, you know, you, you, you search the scriptures because you think in them you find eternal life. But he says, but you neglect to come to me. Yeah. I'm the one that gives you. So like, yes, we need to read these to understand who Jesus is, like his character and nature. You try to find him in like Google search and just like Wikipedia, it's not right. going to find the real he's, Jesus. He's the living word. His, right so away you're going to John 1.1, 1, 1, right? John 1, yeah. You're like, no, Jesus is the word. Yeah. <laughs> that's he's, where I'm going in my head. Living he's the word. living bingo. word. Right. That's what I'm he's saying. not so, just an empty text. Bing, bingo. If, if, that's and what I'm and saying. that's where the Holy Spirit comes in too, though. Right. Because if the Holy Spirit isn't quickening our heart, that's right. it is just words that's in a Google search or on an app or in a book, in a binder. It's got to be the living. That's right. Word. It's good. He's and there's a reason why John starts the gospel out with that of an establishment of, of who Christ is. There, there's an yes. absolute reason for that, and yes. that is that it's his supremacy, it's who he is. that yeah. he is above and beyond all things, it's who he is. and that we will try to plug these things in our life with yeah. many other other fillers in, yeah. in this world. Yeah. But in essence, we will always remain hungry. Right. That's it. We always. That's why he says that I am the bread of life that comes from heaven, because he is the ultimate mm-hmm. filler of our lives, yeah. and and that that we will search. Yeah. It, it is you know when when you look at the way John writes all of this, he never divorces that of the physical and the spiritual. That's right. But he always puts them together. In yeah. fact, that's the way he starts out yeah. the very book itself. 
by talking about the incarnation. What better understanding of that, of how we are both physical and spiritual in that of the incarnate Christ, 100% God, 100% man. Yet where our struggle is, is this, that we're 100% man is what we are, but yet we're redeemed man. We are redeemed man, but we're always going to struggle with that man part, that that humanity in our lives, that we're going to always struggle with that. And so we're always going to try to what do what these people did and say? How do we do the works of God? Yeah. How can I make this work? Mm-hmm. How how can I work this out mm-hmm. within myself? And and yet, what Jesus is saying to them, he's bringing them back. Is this? He says, "Well, here's here's how you do this. You believe. It mm-hmm. comes back in me. Yeah. It always yeah. comes back, back yeah. to, to me. Yeah. It always comes back to Christ." That's the question, right? In every one of our conversations, like you know, with people, um, you know, that are far from God, and you're having, you're having these gospel conversations with with people, I think it's always important that we that we, first of all, that we listen. We ask questions and we listen to, to them, right? We ask questions, we genuinely listen to people because we want to figure out what, what's going on in their hearts, what's going on behind the questions, what's going on behind their problem. And then always, it's got to steer back to who is Jesus? Yeah. Who is Jesus? Because ultimately, hmm. the answer to that question determines everything else, yeah. right? Who is Jesus? And so when he's saying, I'm the bread of life right. uh, to, these, to these guys. You know, it says that verse 41, it says that this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he, he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Verse 42, they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? <laughs> How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Yeah. And so here's a question. Who, who is he? And I remember when we had this conversation at uh, Starbucks and you talked about, you said like, he's it's a, like, he was a carpenter. So he, they probably had Jesus's chairs in their houses. And they're like, that chair rocks. Like that's, like, <laughs> that's the son of God. Or I don't know. That was a huge theological ever. discussion right there. I've got Jesus right chair, chair in my back, behind yeah. my porch. Like yeah. what? Like you, I told him to be quiet when he was sleeping over at my house. <laughs> right. like, what? Have this like familiarity with, with he Jesus. Won every game we played. <laughs> right. How do you always know what I was thinking? <laughs> And, and it's like, and so there's just, they start grumbling. And then it says, verse 43, it says, Jesus says, man, stop grumbling among yourselves. He said, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will be taught. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me. And no one who has seen the father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the father. Very truly, I tell you. The one who believes has eternal life. He's saying that he's the eternal life, right? Yeah. So it's just it's that constant question: Who is he? And then, the, you know, what we've been going through these chapters is like, you know, have we become too familiar with this story? Have we become too yeah. familiar with it that we haven't actually gone deeper into yeah. knowing him? Right? That we've, right. you know, and that's the. Well, you can't truly answer that question unless the Father draws you into that answer. Yeah. Unless he reveals to you that this is Jesus, the Son of God, and apart from him, you are, you are destined for destruction. If that weight is not revealed, you're not going to be able to answer that on your service. You're going to be like these people, and you're going to struggle with answering that. Yeah. Because the Father hasn't drawn that into you. It's what I believe. And, and I wrote down in my margin here in this text, when, when they say in 42, is not this Jesus? It's a great reminder that human intellect does not trump divine knowledge. Yeah. Right. And that, that is so where our culture is today. Well, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. That goes against everything I feel and believe. Yeah. Who cares about your feelings? 
All right? It does not trump Scripture. And in this case, these are people that are using their human intellect and saying, that doesn't make sense. He gave me this chair. I used to, you know, get onto his brothers when they were acting up and I had a babysit. Like, right? It just logically, they could not. And it's like, yeah, well, as we've said in some of our comments, that's faith. That's where faith comes in. But we have got to. Can the church please, 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 can we get away from this mindset of our human intellect trying to either rival or be on par or even superior? superior to divine knowledge like yeah whether you get it or not it's truth yeah and that's not to say that there's not god is the god of reason too like he's given us our brains he's given us intellect right and it's not to go against you know logic and reason, but um because you would say thomas aquinas he's the one who tries to bridge the gap between yeah. you know yeah. the, you know the reason and and the spiritual realm and so um and so yeah we we, we can use our minds and we kind of think that as, as believers sometimes we can say well we just got to, you know, it's a blind faith, uh, you know, and, you know, why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you believe, well, you know, I, because uh, I was told so or because of this. And it's like, no, there's evidence, right? There's evidence for the resurrection. There's evidence for, you know, the, the validity of Scripture itself. Like, there's evidence that we can search and we can explore. But like you said, Travis, when, <laughs> when we just stop, when we say, oh, I just, it doesn't make sense, so I'm just going to stop there. Or if we begin to say, well, you know, we get this kind of proud, puffed up thing. Well, I know all the philosophy and all of this different things that just kind of, you know, and and we miss like actually pursuing. Jesus constantly calling us deeper. And he's not afraid of questions. He's not afraid of questions. He's not afraid of those things. But um, but like you're so right that we we get into this this mindset. If it just if if I don't feel it, then it's not it's not true. I think what we try to do is we try to take the template of the, the, the logical in our lives and we try to place it over the illogical that yeah. doesn't, and it yeah. never fits with Jesus. Right. Like it will never work yeah, in right. our lives. It yeah. will never work that way. That, and, and I think what takes place in the church today also, and, and I try to be careful with making those statements, but yet is that we have allowed the humanity of Christ to blind us of the deity of Christ mm-hmm. at times and and so we we sometimes preach and teach him so human it, and and we can't take that away from him i understand that he's 100% both man and 100% god but yet we would we would preach him and teach him so human that we miss the concept here that john is teaching us in that he is god he's god yeah. he is god he's god he is absolutely god if you kind of kind of shake all of this down i think what you find is you have a people who are struggling with that very that very yeah. process within their lives mm-hmm. to look past that of, of his humanity to see that he is God. Yeah. Because he's done everything that God would do here, basically. He's done yeah. all of those things. He has, he has bent the very rules of the creative order yeah. in, mm-hmm. in, in this process with them in the miracles. He's, yet they still, they still only see him as the son of Mary and Joseph. Is is all they see him? Yeah, yeah, powerful. Yeah, man. Where are we at? What verse? I don't. This is what we do. Okay, this is what we do. Right? We get so like wound up in all of this. We do this at Starbucks, and then and and then we will look over and there's a barista who's been standing right next to our table over the counter for a long time. That must be the biggest latte they've ever made in their life. But they're listening because we are just. 
it's we're so passionate about this and and we want you to be passionate about having gospel yeah. conversations like this yeah. and so so Travis so he brings us to this crescendo like i said he's yes. constantly i love in the text i mean we we haven't read a lot of the verses but if you go back and i encourage you please do that and read yeah, he absolutely. constantly just keeps talking i'm the bread of life he doesn't let go of it doesn't let yeah. go of it and then he brings it to this crescendo mm. in the last portion here of the chapter verse 53 says jesus said to them Truly, truly. No, don't miss this. I'm going to emphasize it. Really important. This is the big one. You ready? I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Like, er, e-break, right? He just like, bam, hits him. And in case they miss it, he says in 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day, for my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. And he continues to talk about it. I'm going to stop there, but he continues talking about it. We have to understand... Now, on its surface, this is offensive, mm-hmm. right? To a Jewish man or woman, even more offensive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they have the commands. You talk about traditions in your message recently, yeah. Matthew and stuff. They had traditions, and, and they had commandments. You know, you're not to yeah. eat animals that have the no. blood in it still. Much, much less Jesus is doing, like, cam- cannibalism kind of right, talk yeah. here, right? Yes. Eat me, drink me, and you can have eternal life. <laughs> like... He all of a sudden pulls the stop out of the tub and is just like, whoosh, there it goes, right? And they have to deal with it. He intentionally gets down into their heart. And this is, this is why I believe he does it. I don't think it's his heart to be mean. No. I don't believe no, that at all. No, if, you, if you go down, you no. read in 61, yeah. uh, depending on your translation, he, he asks them, you know, why are you offended by this? Or does yes, this does offend you? I think That's there's right. an element of compassion yeah. in that question. But yet we're told by Paul and Galatians and throughout Scripture, the gospel, the cross of Jesus Christ, is an offense. Why is this so offensive? Because what Jesus is saying to them essentially is this. Unless you give up everything and consume me as your entirety of life, you can have no part in my kingdom. You have to let go of everything and embrace me. If you go over, I would encourage you, go and read Luke 9 later. As well, yeah. in light of this passage where he talks about what it means to take up your cross and follow him, and he gets into the, the language of you need to hate your father, your brother, your mother, your sister, your uncle, the squirrel outside. Like <laughs> everything in comparison to me right. should That's look right. like hatred. Yeah. That's offensive. Yeah. Why is it so? Why is this message so offensive? Jesus wanted them to understand I'm not interested in a large crowd following me around. I'm interested in people that are willing to I say, I will give up everything. To go and change the world on your behalf. Because you alone have the life. You alone, you have, alone the life. have the eternal life. Exactly. And, and that's, isn't that exactly what we find later on? In, in, I don't want to interrupt you. No, but, but, interrupt. But I do You're the pastor. But I, no, that's not, well, it's not true. No, well, that is true, but it, I don't okay. want to interrupt you. Is something yeah. that Reba is, no, no, what's going on? I'm not on revealing now. anything of that nature. I hope not. <laughs> it's that, that Peter says to him, you know, he... When we have to realize the way all this shakes out, and yeah. I love the humanity of this, right? Yeah. The, the way all this shakes out is not like it's, it doesn't seem to be a win here. Yeah. Oh, correct? total loss it's by a, our standards. Yeah, it's yeah. a yeah. loss. Because <clears throat> How to grow a church from 8,000 to 12. 12, exactly right. This is it. Yeah, <laughs> that that you, book will not sell. Yeah, if you, if, you want to, if you want to destroy your church, preach about eating Jesus' body and drinking his blood, and then everybody hits the door afterwards. And, and so, because it doesn't set well after donuts and coffee. And, and so I think that. That what we find is here, what Peter says to him, because yeah. the disciples, the major part of the disciples have walked away from Jesus at this point after this discussion. And it, and it goes to what you just said, I think, is what Peter says to him. He says, because he says, 
to Peter, do you want to go away as well as everybody else? Can you imagine that moment? you got the Son of God looking at you and saying, so do you want to go away as well as everyone else? And and Peter says to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's That's it. That there's nothing greater. Rich. And and, and to jump in on that real quick, and I'm talking a lot. Sorry, guys. I'll let you jump in. What what (laughs) a beautiful... Do you hear the compassion in these words? Do you hear the heart of Jesus when he turns to his 12 and says, are you going to leave too? Right. What an invitation, but what compassion at the same time. To all of us. Exploring the heart, as we said at the beginning, are you going to leave too? Wow. And would he love them less if they would have walked away? No. And he died as much for the ones that grumbled. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because when you read the text, what you what we, earlier, you, you guys had to read this for yourself, okay? But when you read this, what you realize is that that the Father, we are a gift from the Father to the Son. Is is when you when you really yeah. digest all of this, it's such a beautiful thing. So in reality, that that the Father's already made up His mind about you and I, regardless of yeah. whether we get this right or That's not, right. regardless of whether we yeah. walk away so or we good. stay with Him. Yeah. The Father's already made up His mind about every That's one right. of us in this room That's and right. at this table today, yeah. and that is that He loves us, he lo- and He loves us to the point that He is sending His Son to die for us. That's right. And and so that there is no question about yeah. that at all. This is yeah. this is amazing grace that we see at right. work here yeah. in, in that of, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no. no. I sum that up by saying, I want to preach now. You in know, in like the that. words of Jesse yes. Pinkman, that's church. But you're like, you said preach, yes. what you just said, that's church. It, it just, and that's it, it. And it grieves his heart, right? When he, whenever one of his just turns yeah. and walks away, right? It grieves that he loves yeah. us. He loves it even when we walk away, yeah. but it still yeah. grieves his heart. His, yeah. his heart is always for yeah. for, the, for the love of the world, so that they would come to know Him, a yes. personal, loving, caring, intimate God who wants to yeah. be, who wants to point you to your heavenly yeah. Father. Man, yeah, that heart. That's it the God I want it to takes do. me right to Him crying over Jerusalem. True. How often I wanted to just gather you, and you would not. He says. You know, the Lazarus that you preached on. Yeah. He wasn't crying because Lazarus was dead. That's right. No, he was he dead. knew what he was doing there. Yeah. He, right? It wasn't like, oh, I miss Latin. No, he knew what was going on. He was crying he knew. for the people. Yeah. Like, what a heart. Oh, what a heart. I mean, so if we could wrap our minds around that, you think you're just adrift if you're drifting in here. You think you might just be running from God or you're not where you want to be. Understand the heart here that Mark has just described and Matthew's just... Understand the heart of Jesus longs for you, weeps for you. If you're a parent, as you would over your children when you see them just making a mistake and hurting Mm -hmm. and going through difficult, your heart breaks. How much more so the heart of the Father? It's true. I mean, it's so, it's so beautiful. So beautiful. Well, let me wrap this up. They gave us 50 minutes. And we're at 45 minutes and 58 oh, yeah. seconds. Okay? We can keep going. And uh, so anyway, I think we should wrap this up because the reality is that we've even scratched everything that we brought here with us today to share with you about this text. And in, in, in this, which brings us to the Lord's table in a moment in the Eucharist, and in reading and studying this week, I found this great commentary about this text and, and the way it addresses this of eating the body of Christ and drinking his blood. And it, and it said that it's like the, the, the prototypical function of food and drink, that it's one entity of life giving itself 
to nourish another entity in life. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought that was such a powerful thought about that, that when you go to lunch today, uh, other than all of the vegetarians and the vegans in the room, and I know that when we talk about this, right, and eating meat, that you, you break out into sweats. Well, that's really <laughs> meat sweats. That's your body desiring to eat a hamburger is what that is, right? Sorry, I'm just teasing. You but said yet, meat sweats. <laughs> meat sweats, <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so it, it, is, it, it is this powerful powerful concept of that of what food is that one life yeah. gives itself or one being gives itself so to nourish another life yeah. and isn't that exactly what Christ has done and that is the gospel story that Jesus lays down his life Amen. so that you and I would have life yes. because outside outside of that of having the life of Christ dwelling within us we are dead that we are dead anything outside of that is that we are not living Amen. at all. And so when we come to the Lord's table, then that's, I believe that is exactly what we, we celebrate together. So I have to stand up for a moment, yes. And, and, and so we always end these teachings with you with two things. What does God want us to know and what does God want us to do? I think what God wants you to know today is this, that even when you come to him and your motive of your heart is not for him, Understand this. God is always present. He is always present. That is grace within our lives. If you came here and you look for just your marriage to be fixed, but you really weren't looking for Jesus or a greater understanding of who he is, can I tell you he's still present? He doesn't reject you. He doesn't push you to the side because you didn't come just for me. Understand that. He's not some lonely God just dying for companionship. He is God. He created us all. Understand that, right? And, and so that... That he is here, he is present in your life. I think that, that what God wants us to do this morning is this, that to realize it's not just enough to follow him, because that's what these people were doing. It's not just enough to follow him, but it's about him living in us and him living through our lives. It's about a deeper and a richer and a greater relationship with him this morning that he desires for us, because we all hunger for something. But he is the one that satisfies the hunger of our lives. And so trust him this morning in your life. So could you for a moment bow your heads for prayer? Could you do that for a moment? Father, we are thankful for the word that you've given us. We're thankful for gospel-centered conversation. That, That your words are so deep and so rich in our lives that we could never exhaust them. Because they are life and health and strength to us. So Lord, for everyone in this room who are here and they're, they're looking for a fix for their lives. Because the reality is that if something wasn't broken, we probably wouldn't be here. But God, for whatever reasons that we're here, whatever has brought us here, we know divinely and providentially you have led us here today. That we know that you're present for us today, Lord. And so, Father, we open our hearts and our minds to you to trust you, to not just follow after you, but yet for you to be resident within us and for you to live through us in life. So, God, we surrender our agendas to you this morning. We surrender our lives to you today. What we have planned in the future, and God, it's great that we plan, but we surrender those things to you, realizing that you are a sovereign and a providential God, and you have the very, very best for us.
So we take a moment just to sit in that and to understand who you are. And that before we ever made the first mistake in our life, you had already made your mind up about us. And that was to love us. That God, you've even placed hunger in our lives to draw us close to you because you desire a relationship with us this morning. So Lord, as we come to your table in communion, we realize that this definitely speaks to us powerfully about that of eating your flesh and drinking your blood. And that is that we realize that we celebrate what you have done for us and that you desire to live within us and live through us. We understand, God, that that faith precedes the Eucharist. Faith precedes the communion table. So that coming to your communion table today doesn't save us. Coming to your communion table today doesn't, doesn't simply cause you to indwell us. But yet that takes place before we come this morning and we celebrate the reality of who you are. So, Father, as we celebrate with the bread today, we celebrate that your body was broken for us. That your body was striped for the healing of our lives. That when we take the juice that we celebrate, it is your blood that washes us free from all the sins of our lives. Because you, God, you have already made up your mind about us. So we love you today with all of our hearts. May this moment at your table drive these points in our lives very deep within us. Thank you, Father, that you are the bread from heaven, that fills our lives to completeness. And we trust you this morning. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed today, and you're struggling you're struggling with you know how you feel about God and how God feels about you and you're not sure if you are going to follow this Jesus or you're not sure if you'd ever gotten in a boat and gone to Capernaum with him and, but you feel something pulling at your heart and your life this morning that's the Holy Spirit and I would encourage you strongly encourage you this morning to move toward God in your life what you're realizing in your heart that you're a sinner that you're broken and can't be fixed and what the scriptures has said to us today that that God is more than a fix in our life he's the ultimate bread of life so I encourage you today to accept him as savior that you confess that you're a sinner in need of a savior in your life this morning he has already forgiven you. You just accept that forgiveness for your life. And Father, we confess you as the Lord of our life this morning. We believe in our hearts.
that he had died for us. 